Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Sunny Go One Piece podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking about anime episodes 34 through 36, which will be covering manga chapters 75 through 80, where we will dive into Nami's past once and for all and learn the full story of what is going on with her and the island of Kokoyashi Village. I hope you brought some tissues because this is a doozy, so let's get into it. So, the synopsis. We pick up right where we left off, catching up with Luffy and the Straw Hats, hearing of Usopp's death at the hands of Nami, but quickly discovering he's still alive as they're confronted by Nami, demanding Luffy to forget about her and leave, but Luffy of course refuses. We then get a visit from Nojiko who, in an effort to convince them to leave, explains the history of the island and Nami's past, as well as her adoptive mother and the story of how Arlong came to disrupt all of that. So the difference is, there are only a couple, but one of them is pretty pretty significant, I would say. Well, not in the context of the story, but there's a short scene of Usopp going to Kokoyashi Village first after escaping Arlong Park and looking for Zoro as he had heard from the fisherman that Zoro was going to Kokoyashi Village. But then once he discovers that he's not there, he assumes that Zoro is actually going to attack Arlong again, and so he quickly starts running back towards Arlong Park and this is where the anime catches up and we see him running up that road and then eventually getting his face smashed in by both Zoro and Sanji. <laughs> and then next we have in the flashback and then in further in uh, Bellamare's flashback scenes, they're actually played in a slightly different order. The adoption scene in the hospital actually comes last and it just happens Right after she's gunned down by Arlong, instead of during the part where Genzo tells Nami how Milamara finds Nami, where it's told more or less sequentially in the anime. This was probably done to make the flow of events easier to understand, and I think I do actually like the way it's presented in the anime better than in the manga. Not that it really makes that much of a difference. And then lastly, the scene where Milamara is actually shot by Arlong in the manga, she is shot in the head instead of the chest as shown in the anime. This was most certainly done to try and tone down the violence, but curiously, in the manga, we never actually see the bullet go through, but in the anime, they show us the black and white silhouette of the shot going through her chest, so I'm guessing there was something specific with headshots that the censors in in Japan had an issue with, more so than the violent nature of the scene, but I don't really have any sources to verify that or anything. It's just it just seems odd uh, that the way they showed it in the anime, but the manga, while yes, she gets shot in the head, it doesn't actually show the shot itself. All right, moving on to my thoughts on the episode. So after hearing the news about Nami killing Usopp from Johnny, Luffy immediately gets angry and doesn't even for one second believe Nami would do such a thing. This is really telling about just how much faith Luffy has in Nami. Just then, Nami herself shows up to tell Luffy and everyone to leave her alone and get off the island. Sanji is freaking hilarious at this moment, especially the line about how love is always a hurricane. And we start to see the beginning of the Zoro and Sanji rivalry as soon as they meet with Zoro attempting to attack Nami after she confirms she killed Usopp and Sanji stepping in to defend her. And this is really the first real significant example of Sanji's code of chivalry of never attacking women, which I mentioned a few episodes ago. 
Luffy, after hearing Nami's attempts to get rid of them, doesn't really want to hear it and literally falls over in the middle of the road and falls asleep. Nami gets annoyed at this, understandably, and tells him to do whatever and storms off as Sanji this time takes notice of Nami's reaction, which means at this point, everyone in the Straw Hats don't really believe that Nami is willingly going along with Arlong. We get a short scene where the villagers see a marine ship arrive that want to take down Arlong, led by another ridiculous commander named this time Pudding Pudding, which is, I guess, like an automatopoeia of jiggling sound in Japanese. So <laughs> all these marine names are so ridiculous. They quickly get taken out by Hachi, Kuroobi, and Chu. This scene does two things. It highlights just how hopeless the villagers of the island are that they'll never be saved and also just how powerful the fishmen are, especially these three as they are Arlong's main commanders in his crew. Cutting back to Luffy and company, they're all still in the street, but as Johnny and Yosak are increasingly getting worried about getting tangled up with Arlong, they decide to part ways with the Straw Hats. Now this next sequence is one of my favorite gags. So Usopp is running to regroup with everyone and reveals to us that Nami did in fact spare him by stabbing her own hand, which ouch. And that is some commitment on Nami's part and goes to show just how much pain she's willing to take to survive. But at the same time, Zoro and Sanji are talking about whether Nami really did kill Usopp and Zoro makes a comment about how she may have killed him out of frustration for how Zoro made her look like a small fry, quote unquote, who couldn't even let him die. But Sanji takes offense to this as he thinks he's talking about Nami's breast size, which which is hilarious that that's all that's on Sanji's mind right now, and that's how he took Zoro's comment. But then Usopp comes running through and accidentally gets caught up in the crossfire and gets kicked by Sanji and swatted in the face by Zoro's sword sheath. And Luffy's reaction is so funny here. He's just so earnest and sincere about how he thought Nami did that to him, and he's just like, Usopp, did Nami do this to you? And then in the background, Sanji and Zoro are just sort of half-heartedly taking responsibility for that. <laughs> Moving on, Nami visits Nojiko to vent her frustrations at seeing Luffy and the others here on the island. And as a result, Nojiko decides to talk to the Straw Hats to try and convince them to leave Nami for her sake and decides to explain the whole story of Nami's backstory. But again, Luffy doesn't care and decides to walk off. I also love that while Zoro is like, we should hear her out, but then promptly falls asleep himself and doesn't even listen. And this just leaves Sanji and Usopp to listen to the story. And this is an interesting character bit here with both of Luffy and Zoro, as for them, they don't really care what someone else has done in the past or, or who they were, and they're only interested in who they are now. And to them, they both are pretty confident that they have a good read on who Nami is. I think for Luffy in particular, this gives us a small insight into how Luffy is always able to just instantly trust or not like somebody. He looks at who they are based on their actions and words and can easily see through all the other BS that we all as humans have trouble looking past when we first meet people. I think that's kind of a, a good listen to live by. Moving along, we catch up with Luffy running into the fishmen for the first time as He's on his little stroll, even in an insignificant scene like this is still interesting and entertaining as we see a bit of a standoff with the fishermen trying to intimidate Luffy, but he just walks right past them without so much as a thought. And Hachi, understandably annoyed at this, asks who he is and what he's doing, but Luffy, his honest and sincere answer turns a hostile situation into an almost friendly one. And once again, we see Luffy's amazing ability to draw people in, but 
Honestly, the thing that gets me every time is Kurobi's face after Luffy leaves as Hachi waves goodbye to him. It's almost like he wants to say, Who the hell is this guy? And what the hell did I just witness as well as God, Hachi's an idiot. It's like you can read that all in Kurobi's face. It's so perfect. As, I mean, seriously, go back and freeze it on his face at this moment, and it will never fail to make you laugh. Now we get to the meat of these episodes, Nami's tragic past. And oh my god, this has got to be one of the most saddening and tragic backstories I've ever read or seen. We see Nami already at a young age as a gifted cartographer and often steals books to learn navigation and cartography skills, but her family's poor and she's often caught by Genzo, who is sort of the town sheriff. And we're introduced to Nami and Nojiko's adoptive mother the one that's been continuously alluded to since pretty much the beginning of the series, actually, Bellemere, who runs a tangerine farm. And now we understand that line all the way back in Orangetown when we first are introduced to Nami, how she mentions the only two things she likes are money and tangerines. We now know it's because she grew up poor and her family ran a tangerine farm. Of course, as we continue on in this flashback, we learn just how significantly important these two things are would go on to be and how they actually ended up shaping Nami. Nami and Bella and Mary get into an argument over how poor they are and never seem to have any money for anything like new clothes, books, or food. Then Nami says something that I think any parent, especially an adoptive parent, would be heartbroken over. And even when I was a kid reading this scene, you could just tell the amount of hurt this caused Bella and Mary. And the anime does this scene incredibly well, conveying that when Nami says, since they're not related by blood, that if she was going to be adopted by someone, she'd rather have been adopted by a rich family. And then she storms off to Genzo's station. And this is where Genzo explains how Nami and Nojiko came to be adopted by Bellemare. And it's truly beautiful. And I always tear up hearing this story. We learn that Bellemare, as a hooligan kid, went on to be a marine. And in one particular battle, she was gravely wounded and pretty much on death's door. When Nojiko shows up carrying Nami and gave her new purpose in life to keep going. That scene of baby Nami smiling with Nojiko and Bellemare trying to make light of the, the horror they both just lived through while baby Nami blissfully oblivious is beautiful. And then Bellemare desperately getting through the storm and pleading for the doctor of Kokoyashi village to save the kids is honestly quite the emotional gut punch. I, yeah, I always get affected by this scene pretty hard. I mean, in just 10 minutes of this flashback, we were already super attached to this family, and we want nothing more than to see them succeed and hope nothing bad ever happens to them. And this attachment is created so well by showing us what they really mean to each other and what they had to go through just to be a family in the first place. I mean, Oda, you bastard. You knew exactly what you were doing to us by getting us so attached and invested to this family. Nojiko, being the level-headed kid that she is, convinces Bellemare that they both said things that they didn't really mean and Bellemare asks Nojiko to bring Nami back for dinner to reconcile and be a happy family again. However, just as Nojiko is bringing Nami back home, the town is invaded by Arlong and his crew and institutes a tributary fee for everyone's life. 100,000 berries for adults and 50,000 for children. Of course, hearing this, everyone along with us comes to the realization that there's no way Bellamere can pay this for all three of them. At this point, the tension is insanely high 
when we think that Arlong missed Bellamere's household, but then at the last minute, smoke is seen coming from it, and, and damn, the cliffhanger of this episode leaves you on the edge of your seat as Nami and Nojiko are frantically trying to get back to the house to warn Bellamere, and it's nothing short of anxiety-inducing. However, unfortunately, Arlong gets to Bellamere first, and even though Bellamere catches Arlong off guard as she has him at gunpoint, but he quickly chews through the gun itself and subdues her by stepping on and breaking her arm. And this scene's brutal. Seeing how he just crushes her arm like an aluminum soda can and the pain it causes Bellamere, it's like, ugh, so much win- wincing. Ugh, it's hard to watch sometimes. Nami and Nojiko are intercepted and stopped by the doctor just before they reach the house while Genzo approaches the house to save Bellamere by reasoning with her and Arlong about the money and that if she can pay everything, it will be fine for now. And it's discovered that she she has just enough for either one adult or two children. And then the doctor explains to Nami and Nojiko that there is no official proof that they are a family. And confirmed by Kurobi in the town records, the doctor then tells the kids that the best thing to do is to leave the island, as that's the best chance all three of them will survive, as cruel as that sounds for a 10 and 12 year old kid. As Bellamere pays the 100,000 berries, after a bit of thinking, she calls to Arlong to say that she just can't say that she doesn't have a family, even at the cost of her own life, and says that the money is for Nami and Nojiko. This is just even more heartbreaking as Nami and Nojiko rush to Bellamere and Nami here in particular as she pleads with her that she's sorry for the things she said earlier and that she doesn't care about the money and as long as they can stay a family. What really gets me is how she hugs Nojiko with her good arm initially but then struggles but manages to hug Nami as well with her mangled arm. It's just amazingly touching and heartbreaking at the same time. Genzo at this point is willing to risk his life to help them but is quickly sliced by Kurobi as the townspeople are also charging in to help but held back by Arlon's crew and beat up. Bellamere then pushes Nami and Nojiko away and bravely stands ready to make the ultimate sacrifice and is gunned down by Arlon right in front of Nami and Nojiko and this scene is pretty horrifying. I remember how chilling this was when I first read and watched this. Up till now Oda hasn't really killed anyone in the past or present. Aside from maybe the bandits in Luffy's flashback, but one of them was a no-name bandit shot by Lucky Roo and the other was Higuma eaten by a, a sea king. Both didn't have much weight or significance, but this death, not only did Oda manage to get us super attached to her and the visceral, almost realistic tone of this scene by making us feel so helpless and vulnerable watching this play out. Like in an anime, you expect someone to magically show up and save the day in the nick of time in a moment like this. But that doesn't happen here and you're left with the reality that this person was murdered in cold blood in such a raw way. Not to mention seeing it from Nami and Nojiko's perspective, from a child's perspective, makes it all the more chilling. Just as Bellamere is shot, we hear an inner dialogue of her wishes for Nami and Nojiko to be strong women that won't ever lose to this world and to not fill their hearts with hate for an era that's full of terrible things and all these terrible pirates. I don't have too much to say other than I really like these lines as it pretty much informs us so much about who Bellamere is and who Nami and Nojiko grow to become. Even after everyone thought Bellamere was just some hooligan not suited to be a parent, she turned out to become an amazing mother and role model for 
her two daughters. Haji then notices the map Nami drew, and Arlong seeing this wants to use Nami's talents and decides to take her, and Nami screams for Genzo to help her, but Genzo, after standing up again, quickly gets sliced up even more by Kuroobi, and after seeing this, Nami pleads for no one else to help her, as she doesn't want to see anyone else die because of her. After which some time passes and Nami shows up at the village again just as the somewhat recovered villagers were getting ready to rescue her. However, to their shock and horror, Nami reveals that she has in fact joined the Arlong pirates to be their cartographer and Nojiko enraged and confused by this lunges at Nami. For me, this part always amazes me because the way Nami is written and drawn and acted, you for a split second almost believe all the terrible things she's saying about how she now has all this money she wants and is willing to join the pirates that just killed her mother. But obviously, we know it's not the case. But I just like how it almost fools us for just like a split second because of how well it's drawn and written. Genzo and the town folk, all shocked and disappointed at Nami, tell her to leave and never set foot in Kokoyashia ever again. Nojiko, however, knows that this can't be true and that Nami did care about Bellamere and her sacrifice and tracks her down at Bellamere's grave. There she tells Nojiko that she struck a deal with Arlong to make maps and be part of the crew an exchange would be able to buy back Kokoyashi Village and their freedom for 100 million berries. And from that day on, she would go on alone, never asking for help, and always doing it with a smile, vowing never to cry. It's always so sad and such a tear-jerking moment as we see Nami smiling, holding back a bunch of tears, and Nojiko behind her sobbing, realizing what this has done to Nami and the things she's going to have to endure for the foreseeable future. This moment also finally informs us about why Nami refused to call Luffy and the Straw Hats her Nakama. No matter how much Luffy considers her one and, and always wanting to just team up with them for the short term, she doesn't want to get attached and it's just difficult for her to rely on anyone as she doesn't want to see anyone else hurt on her account. It also shows us why she's so continuously shocked at Luffy's dedication to his nakama or crew because up till now all she's known are these awful pirates who would sell out anything and anyone just for some money and power. Can I also just say the amount of strength, courage, and endurance that Nami has is incredible. Like we often talk about the monster trio in terms of their insane physical strength and endurance and that Nami is just weak compared to them but in terms of spirit and mentality she's right up there with them and even may surpass them. I mean the life she's had to live for eight years of her life giving up her childhood like that and shouldering the hopes and salvation of her entire hometown while working friendly with the murderers of her mother is nothing short of heroic. And I also want to point out a specific quote that Bellamere says the moment she dies about how if you survive good things will happen eventually. And that particular quote is not another one of those that I actually live by to this day and often recite to myself when things get tough or hard in life. And it's true, if you can push past the bad stuff, it's generally going to be temporary, especially if you work hard towards creating a better future. Nothing lasts forever. And if you can stay strong and weather the bad times, the good times will eventually come. And I've always really loved this quote and philosophy and continue to use it in my regular life. We come back to the present and Luffy is walking through Kokoyashi Village and walks past Genzo leading Nezumi and a bunch of marines to Nami's house and for some much needed levity <laughs> after all this intense and sad scenes, Luffy is shocked at this sight but not because of the overwhelming presence of marines but because Genzo has got that pinwheel on his hat 
Turns out someone tipped the Marines off about Nami's stolen treasure and three guesses as to who that was and are now here to confiscate that treasure, threatening eight years of work Nami has put in. What's interesting is Genzo's reaction here, as if he knows exactly what this means, even though we were left in the flashback knowing that Nami only told Nojiko about this plan, and throughout the arc we see him and the villagers shun Nami to this day. So clearly, Nojiko must have told him. In any case, this is a pretty dire situation as Nami is so close to collecting the 100 million berries, but just now the marines are about to take it away from her, and the episode ends here on another insane cliffhanger. Anyways, in closing, these episodes do an incredible job setting up the stakes and developing Nami and Arlong for the climax of this arc. I mentioned back in my Baratie arc episodes how Oda was getting better at weaving his flashbacks into the plot of the story. Well, this is the moment where he fully masters it because not only does the flashback tie in with the plot of this arc, but it connects us to the main villain and the final conflict. We see what defeating Arlong means and what the stakes are to the main characters, but also the supporting characters as well. It does an amazing job getting us really invested in seeing Arlong be defeated. I mean, Krieg and Kuril were arrogant and detestable villains too, but they were separate from our characters. They didn't really have a connection with the main characters, but Arlong is not only the worst, but this is a personal struggle as he's the reason why all this pain and suffering has happened to Nami, and we want nothing more than to see him get destroyed by Luffy. So yeah, next week we get to see easily one of the most epic and iconic moments of the series, and to many people, this is the iconic moment of the series. Although I personally hold two other moments higher than this one. But either way, I can't wait to talk to you all about that moment and the next few episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, please send me a like or comment. And if you want to join me on this journey of rewatching One Piece, please consider subscribing. Also, check out my Instagram and Twitter account at Podcast. If you want updates of when I post new episodes and to see, you know, more pictures of my manga collection as well as I'm going to try and upload other stuff as well. I'm not sure what that's going to be, but yeah, just some fun stuff concerning One Piece. And as always, I wanted to thank you for taking the time out to listen to my podcast and I hope to see you on the next episode. And this week, there will be no real spoiler section as pretty much everything here that gets covered is going to be covered mostly in the next episodes anyway so there's not really much spoiler here so yeah i'll see you next time bye